Good morning! Welcome to worship today. We're glad that we're back with you today and um, hope that you have a good experience with us today worshiping wherever it is that you might be. From the 13th chapter of Mark beginning at verse 1. Glory to you, O Lord. As he was leaving the temple, one of his disciples said to Jesus, Look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. Do you see all of these great buildings, Jesus replied? Not one stone will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. And as Jesus stood sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign that they are about to be fulfilled? And Jesus said to them, Watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name, claiming that I am he, and will deceive many. Many will hear of wars and rumors of wars. Do not be alarmed. Such things must happen. But the end is still to come. Nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are the beginning of birth pangs. The Gospel of our Lord. I invite you to join me as we pray together the Holy Spirit prayer in our time of meditation together today, either silently or aloud. Please join me. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in us the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit, and we shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit, who instructs the hearts of the faithful, granted by that same Holy Spirit, we may be made truly wise and ever rejoice in your consolations. This we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. As a Lutheran congregation, and as a mainline, for lack of a better term, as a mainline Protestant organization, or ministry, or a church, we uh, have a discipline of following a lectionary series. And we are coming very close to the end of our lectionary calendar year, our church year. Next Sunday, we're going to be observing the Sunday called Christ the King. Now, in the last couple, two, three years, they've decided to give it a different uh, name. They are now calling next Sunday the Reign of Christ Sunday. And then the, the following, the immediately the following Sunday, we are going to be entering into a new church year, the year with the season of Advent. So the Sunday immediately after Thanksgiving, we will be entering into our new church year. Now, historically, within the context of uh, our church here, this last Sunday before Christ the King Sunday, this has normally been that Sunday when they assign a text that has an apocalyptic emphasis. You've heard the word apocalypse. Kind of makes some of us not even want to come to church on this Sunday. Because when we hear the word apocalyptic, it usually conjures up images about something that's final, something that's catastrophic, something that I just shared with the youth. See, you got half of my sermon already. But just like I shared with the youth, I think it's worth taking a little bit of a closer look. And we've already done that through our children's sermon, but I'm going to reiterate it again. When we look at the word apocalypse, it actually is a word that comes from a Greek word that has the meaning it is that it is an, a, a disclosure. It's a revelation. It's a vision. Deb Thomas, one of my commentary sources that I like to read, she says that an apocalypse is it's an unveiling. It's kind of like a curtain being opened or kind of like that towel being taken off the box. 
She says that it's an unveiling. It's a disclosure. When you experience an apocalypse, she says that you have this experience of having fresh sight. It's kind of like the kids when they opened up that box. They didn't have the slightest idea what was going to be in that box. But there they saw the cross. Something totally new. Something different. A totally different sight that they had not anticipated seeing inside of that box. She further says that what Jesus offers to the disciples is an apocalyptic vision. He invites them to look beyond the grandeur of that temple. And he invites them to see that God is not bound by mortar and stone. That every Oedipus, every edifice, I'm sorry, my, my words aren't coming out today. Every edifice that has ever been built by mankind does not even come close to holding God in. God is beyond mortar and stone. It was in our men's fellowship this past Tuesday that um, Pastor Al made this comment. He said that God replaces the temple so that we can see the kingdom, the new kingdom. Christ replaces the old temple so that we can see the kingdom. You've oftentimes heard me say that the kingdom of God comes near to us in the incarnate God, in and through the life of Christ. We hear and we see this same proclamation today about Jesus in our passage from Hebrews 10. And I want to read to you verse 19. Therefore, my friends, since we have confidence to enter into the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus. Have you ever thought about that? That's a whole new perspective for us, isn't it? That as we come into this place, we come in here with that confidence and that assurance by the blood of Jesus, we enter into this space because of what Christ has done for us on the cross. And, she, and the passage goes on, it says, by the new and living way that Jesus opened to us through the curtain, that is his body, his flesh. And since we have this great priest over the house of God, there we go, now we're getting into this temple language that Jesus cannot be confined to mortar and stone. We have this great priest over the house of God. Let us approach with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Jesus in human flesh through his life was that new and living way that he opened for us through his physical presence on earth. Jesus was and he is the unveiling. He is the disclosure of God. And he made it possible for us to see the ways of God in a fresh way, with fresh eyes. I believe and I think in the truest sense of the word, Jesus was, Jesus was an apocalypse. He was an unveiling. He gave humanity a new and a fresh way to see the kingdom of God by his presence in the world, by becoming one of us. As I've thought and reflected upon this understanding of apocalypse as an unveiling, as a way of seeing with fresh sight, I believe it gives us all the more reason to go on with our lives with a great sense of confidence and trust. And that confidence and that trust is in Jesus Christ, who according to the words of Hebrews 10 states that Christ I, I talked about this last Sunday. I was pretty emphatic with you about this. It says in Hebrews 10 that Christ offered for one, Christ offered for all time a single sacrifice for sin. And by a single offering, 
He has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. You and I, we are counted amongst those who have been sanctified by his sacrificial offering. God's work of salvation, his salvific work, oftentimes referred to as the atonement, happened and continues to happen in and through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's one of the primary reasons why we exist as the church today. In and through God's witness and proclamation through the church, people are still coming to have that awareness of God's great love for the world through the atoning work of Christ Jesus. That's our reason for existence, folks, is to preach Christ and to live Jesus Christ. We're here, you've heard me say this before, I don't spend any time, I don't spend any time thinking about the final apocalypse. I don't spend any time thinking about the final unveiling. It's not for us to know the time, day, or hour. Jesus himself told us in Matthew 24, 36. But about that day and hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, not even the Son, but only the Father. I don't know about you, but I don't spend any time thinking about the final apocalypse. Now, I suppose you can argue that and maybe say that I should. But there's a part of me that says, if the angels don't even know, then how am I supposed to know? But there is something that we can do. We can remain diligent, and we can remain expectant. For us who live in this church season, we are now coming very close to the end of this season that we call Pentecost. Pentecost, in the life of the church, is referred to as the in-between time or the mean time. It's a, it's, a, it's a way of saying that that's our existence as the church. We are in that in-between time of when Jesus came and when Jesus will come again. And it's during this in-between time that you and I, we are reminded of what we continually are to be about. And we can live each day with a confidence of faith. In Hebrews 10, verse 23 says, Let us hold fast to the confession of our faith and with a confession of our hope without wavering. For he who has promised is faithful. And let us consider, I, I'm not quite sure if I like this word that he says next, but he says, and let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds. I'm not quite sure if that was the proper word. Maybe we need to go back and look at the translation, but I'm not sure if we want to be provoking people. To love, to love and good deeds. But then he goes on and he says, encouraging one another all the more. In our gospel today, Jesus sees something different. He sees a temple. He sees a glorious, massive temple. And yet Jesus sees it laying in ruin. This massive center of religious life is laid in ruin. And history, history would later reveal the actual destruction of the temple in 70 A.D. One of my commentary sources said that God is not bound by mortar and stone. You heard me say that before. The disciples, they looked on this temple and they saw this massive building that represented religious certainty and it represented a sense of permanence. But Jesus saw ruin and destruction. 
which has caused me to think a little bit more about this and to ask the question, who is our true temple? Who is our true temple? Through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the old temple is replaced with the incarnate Son of God. In the person and in the life of Jesus Christ, we see the kingdom of God revealed. We see the kingdom of God being disclosed. Jesus was and is and continues to be the unveiling of God, and he makes it possible for us to see with fresh eyes and fresh insight. It is this fresh sight and this insight that you and I take with us each and every day into the world, and we take it out into a world that is still reeling with multiple forms of ruin and destruction. Again, I quote Deb Thomas. She poses a question, and I think it's a question for us to think about. Can I embrace a journey of faith that includes rubble, ruin, and failure? Think about that question. Can I embrace a journey of faith that includes rubble, ruin, and failure? Many of the things that you and I endure and what we see in this world, they feel and they look a lot like ruin and rubble. All around us, there are people living with addictions. There are relationships that are broken. There are families that are living with tremendous dysfunction. There are untimely and tragic deaths happening in our midst. And yes, even something as perhaps insignificant as the challenge for many of us of having a quality of life and growing older. In a certain sense, our bodies are in the process of ruin. Ask my wife every morning, what is the first thing that Craig does when he gets up in the morning? He does his stretches. Because if I don't do my stretches in the morning, I don't function well at all. I got to get my body just moving again. My body is in the process of ruin. You and I see and experience these things almost every single day. And if you don't, you are living a life with blinders on. In many respects, our life and journey of faith is one that does include and is surrounded by rubble, ruin, and failure. But I think there's another question worth asking. Can we see each new day as an opportunity for us to experience and live the apocalypse? 
Can we see each new day as an opportunity for us to experience and live the apocalypse? To see the unveiling of Christ through his atoning, unconditional love that moves us to be people of faith, even in the midst of the rubble, even in the midst of the ruin and the failure, that we can see and experience. We can also see this new and this fresh sight the love of God in Christ at work in the world, and it's renewing and it's restoring and it's healing and it's bringing hope in the midst of despair. That is the work that you and I are called as the body of Christ in the world to be. With the power of Christ's love, we are to be that renewing, restoring, hopeful, and healing presence of Christ. You've heard me talk about Don before, and yet for me, it's one of the primary examples in my life as I think about having experienced and witnessed this restoring, hopeful presence of Christ through the body of Christ in the world. Inner city Seattle, Washington, a man by the name of Don, a hardcore drug addict and drug dealer who was taken in by a Lutheran congregation and they gave him hope. They showed him love. They provided a place for him to experience recovery. And he was able to get off the streets and he was able to become sober. And he went on to college and got a degree in addiction counseling. And that's what he does to this very day. He helps people. That's what you and I as a church are to be about. To be the presence of Christ in the world. Even in the midst of the ruin and the rubble. Pastor Al mentioned in Men's Fellowship that he took one of his confirmation classes to a junkyard and he asked them to look for signs of the kingdom. And one of his students came back with a robin's nest. That is what each day should and is to be for us as people of faith. Another day for us to see the signs of the kingdom in the midst of the rubble and the ruin and the failure. To find those places and things that are a testament to seeing the kingdom of God birthing again. It's another day for us to find a robin's nest in the midst of a junkyard. And as one of my sources wrote, it's about bearing the unveiling well that we go forth with a calm strength. And we go forth with a calm strength because we have the incarnate, generous love of Christ with us. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses. Forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Go forth in this place refreshed and empowered to do the ministry to which God calls you. Travel lightly for you, carry within you all that you need. And notice God's presence in simple, everyday experiences. And whenever opportunity arises, labor for the good of all. And may the blessing and the joy of God, our creator, healer, and life giver, go with you today and always. Amen. Amen.